Cedar Point's Frontier Festival is back and brimming with new flavor. From May 26th through June 19th, this Old West-inspired street fest will fill Cedar Point with live bands, nightly hoedowns, and a hubbub of family activities. Yup, you'll find wheelbarrows packed with sunflowers and characters straight out of the frontier. But you'll also discover 25 cherry-inspired dishes and over 65 cocktails, seltzers, and beers. Get all the fixins plus savings to boot with the Frontier Festival Bundle, which includes admission, parking, and a tasting card. Only at cedarpoint.com. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to episode four of the Michiana People podcast. In this episode, I talked to Dave Dale. Dave is a singer, songwriter, custom guitar designer, and the founder of the band Elephant Rescue. I learned a lot about Dave in our talk, including how he came up with the name Elephant Rescue, which is pretty funny. Um, This guy is all about music 24-7. His passion about music really comes through in the interview, and it's a great interview. I would like to thank my sponsors who helped make the Michiana People podcast happen. This episode is brought to you by Mapletronics Computers. Our lives are fully immersed in technology, and at some point in time, you're going to want some guidance in that technology. Whether you're looking to buy the coolest new PC out there, or your computer has locked up, blue screened, or is ridden with viruses, Mapletronics can help. As a Michiana People podcast listener, you get exclusive access to promotions designed just for you. Mapletronics works closely with me and coordinates the promotions with themes throughout my interviews. I suggest that you check out mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana people and see what specials they have going on just for you. You won't be disappointed. We're also sponsored by MSW. MSW is marketing on steroids. Grant is really tuned in to the uh, social media and he can help you bring your brand to the people through social media. He actually designed my website as well. If you want to get in touch with Grant, you can go to his Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash MSW Michiana. And you can also give Grant a call at 574-606-6696. Thanks again for tuning in. And here's my interview with Dave Dale. Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Michiana People podcast. Our guest today is Dave Dale. Dave is a singer, songwriter, founder of the group Elephant Rescue, and a custom guitar designer. Thanks for being on the podcast, Dave. Thanks for having me. Dave, before we get started, I kind of wanted to go into a story the first time I saw Elephant Rescue. Now, my wife and I are big fans of Ignition Music in Goshen, and we had been seeing shows there for probably about a year, and we went to see the Harpoonist and the Axe Murderer. And when we went in, we didn't know there was an opening act, and... The, the person we saw prior to that had an opening act, and they really didn't thrill me. <laughs> it was one of those groups, I know they were good, but it was more the type of group you want to listen to before you go to bed uh, instead of uh, in, in a live setting. So you guys started setting up, and the first thing I told my wife was, oh no, there's an opening, opening act. And then I see a tuba come out, 
and I said, holy cow, it's a tuba. What's this going to be? So you guys get started, and right from the get-go, you started rocking the place, and it was like a bluesy, funky, New Orleans bebop, I mean, everything jazzy, meshed into one, and it was so good that people were getting up and dancing, and I was out of my seat a few times, and it was it was one of those experiences when you were done, I felt like I got the music experience I paid for. But the real icing on the cake is the Harpoonist and the Axe Murderer is a guy who plays guitar and a guy who plays harmonica. They came out during the latter part of your set, and their eyes were as big as saucers because <laughs> they were like, we really got to follow this. <laughs> <laughs> and they came out, and I mean, they were fantastic. I've been following them ever since oh, then. Yeah, but you guys just blew me away. And after that, it was one of those things. I was like, okay, where's Elephant Rescue? And my wife and I made made sure we went to see you. And just just a fantastic band. I um, I, I I can't say enough. Uh, first of all, how great Ignition Music is. Um, it's a great venue. Uh, the sound is great, and they get artists that you would probably probably never ever see unless they had that uh, venue there. And seeing you was just like a turning point. Uh, so that was that was really cool for me. Talking about your music, if you had to take take your album and put it on Spotify, what category do you think you would put it in? Uh, well, it's that's a funny thing because I have a lot of blues roots. I have a lot of I, you know, I played in the south side of Chicago. I played in, you know, really, that's my roots. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, one of the first two things that I learned was uh, uh, Evil by uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf. Uh-huh. And uh, what the funny thing is that my mother taught me the riff to it. <laughs> so uh, there's an aspect to whatever I do like it's never ever gonna go away from something the blues right but in school when I was studying music styles and and, and uh, I was encouraged to look at source material I was encouraged to look at where did this come from right so I love Jimi Hendrix, and I looked at, okay, so he, he had these influences, and mm-hmm. I looked at all these blues guys, and then, you know, I, I kind of absorbed that, and then I, I absorbed, well, okay, so where did where did that come from? And, mm-hmm. you know, you go back and you go back, and, and really, for me, uh, there was a, 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 I had hit a kind of a turning point when I realized that a lot of what I, a lot of the... Melange of flavors that I enjoy came from an interaction between Africa and Europe and the different various. So whether it's Puerto Rican music or whether it's world music, um, I would definitely say that um, I my my roots are in blues, but that the uh, there's. Perhaps some Americana, okay, and also some what people would refer to as world music, right, right, um, which is a kind of weird marriage, right, to be like, okay, so I got country roots, 
Right. I mean, I grew up in North Texas. Okay. So I got a lot of, you know, red dirt. Right, right. And I got a lot of uh, whatever whatever it is that, you know, was brought over on the slave ships. Right. There's a, there's a, a piece of me that, that identifies with stuff out of Central Africa, okay. Ali Farkatur, mm-hmm. uh, bands from Mali, uh, okay. Tuareg music, and that's a weird headspace to be in, right. to, tr- to, to have been somebody who was raised on Bob Dylan, Janis Joplin, Jimi right. Hendrix, right. you right. know, so I carry all those things with me, and I, I would say maybe world, world blues. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. That's... Right. You know. And that's what I really thought was cool about your music is it was one of those, it, it was one of those things because I tend to like to put things in a category even if it's in my head. And when I heard you guys, I was like, I really can't put that in a category, which I think that's cool um, because it, it makes it makes it completely unique. So I could I could hear some influences there. You know, I could I could hear the Hendrix, I could hear the Joplin, I could hear all that. But there was there were there was things in there that were just different and also very very good. So that 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 really impressed me. I like those types of bands that you run across. It's hard to put in a category. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I, over the years I've been compared to a lot of people. You know, uh, obviously I've, I've been uh, compared to every random, ambiguously brown guy who was ever popular that was going on right now. Uh, so whether it be, you know, Prince to El DeBarge to uh, uh, Bob Marley to uh, Ben Harper. Yeah. You, yeah. You, 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 everybody loves to. Say, right. oh, you're like, yeah, uh, you know, or even or even the vibe that Dave Matthews was right, out in yeah, a little bit. I, I do catch a little bit of that. Um, but I actually catch a little bit of Boz Skaggs if you listen if you listen to not the deep tracks and not the stuff that was played on the radio. I, I just a little bit of that and well, there's he's got a he's the, he's got a good swamp pedigree, right? So right. Uh, I can I can agree with that, right? Um, and you know all these whether when I think about comparisons we we're all responding to the same stuff mm-hmm. we're all responding to the fact that you know okay uh, Paul Simon's Graceland you know was a soundtrack to a period of you know where you couldn't go anywhere and not hear that right and so you know if you get into African music Eventually, you start hearing stuff that was the root material for right. that stuff, right? And right. so it creates a, uh, it, it it creates a, you know, painters all paint with the same colors, right? And so, uh, you know, you can pick a certain style or a certain uh, uh, way of thinking, and uh, really, it's people inventing ways to express themselves right you know right. and that to me is the you know I love Irish music uh-huh I love uh, all I love uh, I love klezmer music okay and people are like I don't, I don't even know how, how do you get there <laughs> well because it sounds true to me right right you know I know how to play the ball right now. Uh-huh. I know how to play the didgeridoo uh-huh. I know how to do a lot of stuff 
just because I know how to tooth and throat sing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you may not ever see that in a show. Right. But there's a, a quality of it that's it's true and it's connected to the earth. It's right. connected to something that's real people's lives. Right. That's not overrun by a bunch of crap and technology and whatever and auto-tuning. And, right. Like, that's what moves me right. in my innards. Right. And so that's that's what I try to prevent. Right, right. And you and you do it well. I got I got to talk about the tuba a little bit. So, oh, so, so so Chad Chad who plays tuba for you. So first time I saw it, obviously I was I was like this is this is going to be a mess. And then he does a solo that I think probably equates to holding your breath and being underwater for like 20 minutes because not only are you not able to breathe when you're playing a tuba solo but you are expelling all the oxygen that you have i mean he just rocks the tuba how, how did you come about getting chad to to play in the band well so the the short version is that um he he played in a duet okay a duo with his brother okay and um i was managing a restaurant in uh, south bend at the time and uh, we were looking to do live music, okay. and they were one of the first acts that brought me, you know. And okay. the stuff sat on the desk for a little while, yeah. and I, you know, their production was real cool. And I looked uh-huh. at the, and you know, I said, "Well, this might be these might be the guys to uh-huh. pull the trigger on. Like this might be the the you know." And they came in and they did some really cool things, and, uh-huh. and his brother. Is a it's really fantastic percussionist, and Chad is a really great singer songwriter. Right. And uh, for years we had been friends, you know, kind of in and out in different places. And uh, I was playing a show at a place called the Pool okay. in South Bend um, that isn't really a venue anymore, uh-huh. but um, it was a really intimate space. And uh, I was playing. Um, with Eric Oliphant at the okay. time. Okay, okay. And uh, he, um, you know, we we were sort of the main bit of the show. Okay. And Chad opened up for us. Okay. And uh, we were just sitting, you know, watching the one of the other acts that was on the show and chitty-chatting. And he said, you know, he, he had watched our warm-up and he was like, I really like what you're doing. It's just... It's different. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, yeah, you know, it's because it was just drum and guitar at that right. point. And he, he said, uh, you know, what you know, what are you thinking about doing with this? And I said, the only thing that I'd really be interested in, you know, I've played with all kind of different setups and mm-hmm. whatever. I'd really like to play with a tuba player. Uh-huh. Like that, that would be just, that would be right yeah. for me. I, you know, I really like the New Orleans thing. I like the horns. Right. I like the whatever. I've seen, there's a guy, Anders Osborne, who, uh-huh. who played with a tuba player for a while. I okay. saw him down at the New Orleans Jazz Fest, so it was just knocking me out. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I, I would like to try that. Right. And he's like, what are you, what? He's like, I teach tuba. I'm a, that's my first instrument. Uh-huh. I said, okay, well, <laughs> you want to sit down and try and do something? And, yeah. you know, it took us about four months to really put something together that mm-hmm. made sense. And then it just it just made sense, right? And then you know since then, Eric 
has left the the outfit, uh-huh. um, and his brother is now playing drums with us. Okay. So the two of them, you know, I've come full circle. Yeah. You know, in 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 a mm-hmm. weird amount of years, like I was the manager at the restaurant, and they were playing a show, and I, you know, I said, "Hey, would you mind if I sat in with you?" And they cut. They both at that point, they both kind of said. Oh yeah, you know this guy. Everybody thinks they can play, blah uh-huh. blah. And I sat in with them, <laughs> and I could actually play. And they, yeah. they, they were like, oh. And so ever since then, it's just been this kind of like we need to kind of stay. There's something right. you know, because right. we've been in multiple different things since then but it really seems to be coalescing around uh, relationships that yeah that have some longevity yeah something I tell you for a uniqueness in sound the tuba definitely sets you apart it's just it's so cool and and the tuba solos are great I I was there for the New Year's Eve uh, what was it 20 New Year's Eve 2015 yeah at Club La and man it was just it was the coolest it's it's been fun. Yeah, it's been real cool. Yeah, going back, you talked a little bit about playing with some blues guys on the south side. Sure. But who did you play with? What was that like? How did you get started doing it? And what did you learn from it? Well, so I was just out of college. Okay. Um, I had a degree in uh, fine art. Okay. It was a minor in music. Okay. And for whatever reason, I. Went all through college, really just knuckled down, trying to focus on figuring out what it was that I wanted to do, how to hone your craft. Okay. And then I got to the point that at the end of school, I realized um, I have a degree that is virtually useless to me. I either have to be a starving artist or uh-huh. a starving musician. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, at that point, I. Two semesters before I graduated, I, uh, I had done a cross-cultural trip to Chicago, and we uh, got to go to a bunch of blues clubs and uh-huh. stuff in Chicago, and really got to see some interesting things. And uh, I thought to myself, if I got to roll the dice, I'm going back there, and I'm yeah. going to go, I'm going to do whatever whatever I can in that situation. Right. And so there were a couple of clubs that I had sat in at when I was a student. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I was like, you know, kind of hung around and went to the open mics. And uh, there was a guy named Buddy Scott. Okay. And uh, he he did a, he hosted a jam up on the uh, north side uh, at a, really fantastic club called Rosa's which okay. is if anybody has a chance to I mean it's in a Puerto Rican neighborhood Humboldt Park mm-hmm. and it's a first generation Italian family mm-hmm. that just fell in love with the blues and moved over to Chicago and decided that they were gonna do this and it's really in terms of right now to go to a place that has that really authentic old school blues mm-hmm. feel Rosa's is definitely on the on okay. the top of the list um, so I would I would go there and I would play there, and I I was living on the south side in this really interesting neighborhood, and uh, I started making connections with musicians, and uh, I got 
a, a gig to play with um, at the Checkerboard Lounge, which was the bar that the Rolling Stones played okay. with Muddy Waters. It was originally Muddy Waters' bar. Uh, I believe Buddy Guy owned it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was this sort of historic, cosmic, hole-in-the-wall uh-huh. bar, dive bar that you could, you know. And I was playing. I got picked up by a band to do, you know, a few, you know, it was kind of a tentative agreement, okay. you know. We'll give you 50 bucks and a bucket of chicken, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> and uh, Vance Kelly was the leader of the band. And uh, I met some really interesting people there. Uh-huh. And the first night that I actually got paid, James Cotton came in. Oh, wow. And said, I'm sitting in. Uh-huh. Which, if you anybody knows James Cotton, uh, it sounded more like, I'm sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he brought a cigar box full of harmonicas mm-hmm. and started calling out keys. And I couldn't even tell what songs we were playing. Uh-huh. He would say, uh, <laughs> and uh, you hoped that you came in with the right lick uh-huh. or there was, you know, um, there's a lot of hand gestures and there's a lot of like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Right. Uh, but I was in on the deep end as a 22-year-old and I got through that night and the weird thing was that the adrenaline in that situation was phenomenal. Yeah. I held my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody cuss me out at the end of the night, <laughs> and uh, and that was that was my initiation by fire. Right. You know, I've played with almost all of the living members of the Muddy Waters band except for Bob Margolin. Okay. I've played uh, with John Primer. I've played I played in the house band at, at Buddy Guys for a minute. Okay. Um, I've played for touring bands. I, you know, I've played with a lot of what we would, what you would maybe consider medium-sized stars uh-huh. in their own world. Right. Played a lot of shows on the Chitlin circuit. Okay. And um, really learned a certain type of natural funkiness, uh-huh. and also a certain quality of human generosity. Okay. That. I think that is missing in a lot of what musician. There's a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of post Stevie Ray Vaughan guys who who have a quality to their playing that becomes somewhat less generous and less okay. familial and more combative. Right. And I don't mind competition. Right. I don't mind putting you know hanging it out there. Right. But I just jazz. And blues music is very much integral in black culture and the black community and the the fact that people will invite you into their homes and they'll... I mean, the music is the same way. Right. You know, I had guys like John Primer come sit in and I'd be like, hey, you take the the solo. And he'd say, no, you take the solo. Uh This is your gig. You're getting paid. Wow. And that's a quality of human generosity... And especially, he's, you know, in his 50s, and I'm, you know, barely, uh-huh. you know, as, as they as they would say in the blues clubs, you know, barely had hair on my balls. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there was still respect given. Right. And that, to me, was something that I don't ever care to, that competitiveness, that kind of, like, right. 
I'm going to show you. I don't care. Uh-huh. I was given uh, a lot of graciousness. And so right. when I play with other people or have people sit in, I, I generally tend to try to embody that. Right, right. Because it, it's just, it seems like a better way to be. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start writing your own music? I had, I had already been writing my own music. I, you know, I, I started learning how to play guitar when I was 15. Okay. I had a buddy who, who gave me an electric guitar that wasn't working. He said, if you can fix it, you can have it. Uh-huh. Uh, that ended up being my drummer for a lot of years yeah. after that. He taught me how to play a, a straight shuffle. Mm-hmm. My mother, who was a, kind of a coffee shop type musician, uh-huh. acoustic cafe type, yeah. you know, and uh, she she showed me some stuff, and it just those two, the riff that he taught me and the the or the the shuffle that he taught me and the the riff that she taught me happened to be in the same key. Yeah. And it, something just clicked in my head, and I was like, "You can put those two things together. You can, I can go, it just made sense." And uh-huh. I, uh, and I spent all of Christmas break that year just uh, practicing how to put those two things together, uh-huh. and something changed in my brain. Mm-hmm. And so, um, understanding how the music worked was what caused me to be able to write songs. Right. You know, being able to hear something, play a chord, transfer an emotion into mm-hmm. a set of words that then had a flow to it. Right. Um, so I had been doing that for probably six or seven years mm-hmm. before I put my own first album. Right. And at that point, I had a lot of I had a lot of things in my head. You know, I had been playing professionally, but I had Pink Floyd in my head. Uh-huh. I had been playing professionally, but I had, you know, all these things, experimental music mm-hmm. and all this ways to stretch out or, you know, the band and, you know, Paul, Paul Butterfield Blues Band. Oh, yeah. And all of these things sort of coagulated inside of me, and I was uh-huh. like, I got to tell my story. Uh-huh. And then that that's kind of, it just... At one point, you know, I had like 15 songs, and I said, "This could be an out. This is a yeah. thing. Uh-huh. I have a thing. I have my own thing." Right. And that that really created a the momentum. Right. The right. ball was rolling at that yeah. point, and, and there's been really no looking back. Yeah. It's, you have dry patches, but mm-hmm. this, you know, once yeah. once you. Once you have a, I feel like it's it's kind of like a race car driver. Once you've been in, once you've been around a track once, yeah, yeah, there's nothing else that's gonna satisfy you. So your first album was on sale at the show at Ignition when I saw you the first time, and I was the one who picked up the last one. Okay, because you you sold out that night. Yes, we did. <laughs> And that's a great space. That is, it just is. makes well, me. Yeah, it's just it's fantastic. But I listened to it probably nonstop for two weeks, and I still I still pick it up and listen to it a lot. I like your songs because there's an element of struggle and mm-hmm. there's an element of hope in just about every song. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no. I listen to some music that's totally dark or some music that's totally happy, but yours sounds more like real life. Like like 
you don't, there's a yin and yang to everything. And that, that's what I think is cool about your music. Where did the name Elephant Rescue come from? Well, so I mentioned earlier, like, Eric Oliphant uh-huh. was uh, the drummer at the time. And when we came up with, when we came, we had been doing some stuff, just he and I, mm. guitar and drums. Because really, for me, music, you know, like I can do a lot of things, but if I don't have a drummer, uh-huh. I don't have it locked in. Right. So when I met him, and he's a fantastic guy, he's a fantastic drummer, and, and, and I, I really was kind of looking for a way to like, sort of give him some buy-in. Uh-huh. And I said, he, uh, his name is Scottish, uh-huh. and when I, my, my stepdad was Scottish growing up, and I knew that all those names meant something. Uh-huh. So, you know, we were having a casual conversation, and I asked him, oh, what, is, what does that mean? Uh-huh. And he's like, large gray mammal. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I just thought that was a clever thing. And uh, when I went to I went to Google, and I put in elephant, and I just, elephant A, uh-huh. see, see what popped up. Elephant uh-huh. B, and I got you know, down and I had uh-huh. some ideas that would be interesting and then I got to Elephant R and there are like a gajillion elephant rescue videos uh-huh. on the internet. Okay. And so I thought it was a weird phrase like elephant rescue. Uh-huh. Like and actually elephants apparently have this sort of internal drive to rescue each other and uh-huh. rescue you know and and so uh I was like, it's something that's already in the psyche. Right. And the thing that I hate about band names is that you always end up with, uh, uh, you always end up coming up with something you think is clever that doesn't stick. Right. So I was trying to go backwards. I was trying to go something that already had stuck uh-huh. and read, <laughs> you know, and, and come up with something that, you know, that, and so Elephant Rescue. Um, so it, it's been a name that people don't forget. Oh, and so yeah, yeah. that that to me is the you know the evidence of yeah. good. You you got oh, yeah. something. So even when he left, we stuck with it because yeah. he was fine. He was fine with with you uh-huh. know we're still friendly and so. Well, I I never forget the name. That's, yes, that, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've we've talked a few times, and I believe you're working on uh, a new album. Is that correct? We're in the process. I've been doing some writing. I got uh, some really great, fun, funny, weird stuff mm-hmm. coming up. Some stuff that we haven't really played out live. Um, we have a few of the songs that were in the transition that were. Some heavy New Orleans vibe, uh-huh. um, but then I also I, I've come up with a few things that are almost Dixieland, um, and obviously uh-huh. those things fit together. But there's a there's a few things that have a little uh, a little lighter touch. Okay. And uh, like I said, Corey Miller's playing drums on this uh-huh. stuff now, and we're actually looking at the possibility of we're going to bring in some a few. People to some friends of ours, okay. local musicians, who to fill out some of the stuff because it's it's like there are a few things like if I don't have a saxophone on this, uh-huh. you know, and Sam Q who plays with uh, Lalo Kira, okay, um, he's one of my favorite guys around, uh-huh. and you know if I can get him to come for an afternoon and later, I've seen them a couple times. They're 
That, uh, I mean, this area has some really fantastic yeah. musicians, and we're we're at a point where the scene is really about to break. Right. There's a couple of new clubs that are going to be open here in a couple of months. Okay. That um, I think are going to be a game changer. Okay. Um, they're going to be places that bring in more medium size national acts. Okay. And quite frankly. We have a scene that very few people expect to pay money at the door. Right. And the fact of the matter is that, number one, people don't really appreciate... Like, if you go into a bar and you didn't have to pay to get in... Yeah. And the music is just a background noise. Yeah. People treat it in a different way. Uh-huh. But if you paid five, seven, ten dollars $10, then you're probably going to pay attention yeah. because you're there for that prop. Right. So that's the first thing and I think that that's a very valuable thing. Yeah. And it may change a few things that may cause people some stress but I think it's in any scene that has a quality music scene yeah. you got to pay a couple dollars at the door and that's just part of the deal. And I'm totally willing. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, well I mean that's what I think that's what Steve at Ignition has yeah. has created a space where yeah. people are, they expect Yeah. They expect to, to pay some money. Right. They expect to get their money's worth mm-hmm. as well. And so right. you have a different value system right. that's going right. on. Well, I can tell you, we both know uh, Billy Nix, and I've been following that band for more years than I can count. And it's 10 bucks every time you want to go see him, and I've only missed Billy when, he, when I am out of town. I mean, we we change our schedule. We do whatever it takes to go see Bill. So. He's a fantastic, he's a fantastic performer yeah. and a really great human being. Yeah, I yeah. Really, one of the things that Chicago gave me was a way to understand how to communicate to older black men, uh-huh. and I that's just yeah. something like you know I'll have people say I talk to him, this whoever, whatever, and I didn't understand what was going on and blah blah blah. And uh-huh. He had some something else that was bugging him I'm like man yeah. that's, you just weren't paying attention yeah. you weren't you know yeah. you didn't give enough space yeah. and that has been you know I've, I you know, I played with Pine Top Perkins uh-huh. I played with you know a bunch of people who you know Willie Smith uh-huh. uh, the drummer for the Muddy Waters band not necessarily just instantly agreeable guys. Right. Not instantly understandable. <laughs> you know, people think, oh, happy old. Yeah. No. They had hard lives and uh-huh. they don't suffer fools. Right. Right. And right. So if you don't come to that conversation yeah. with a little clarity, uh-huh. then yeah. they probably don't have any time yeah. for you. So. Well, I'll tell you one thing you and Bill both have in common is you talk to your fans because. I've run into you at Martin's probably about 15 times, and we always have an extended conversation, and you, you never leave until I'm done talking, which I appreciate. And I've run into Bill outside of uh, his shows, and same thing. And, and that, that's an that means a lot to fans. That's an interesting thing, because I don't really think of people as fans. Okay. I, it's not... Well, I am. I, no, I appreciate that, but I don't... If I like you, I like you. Uh-huh. And there are some people that I tolerate, uh-huh. but there, you know, if I'm if if you enjoyed what I do and it meant something to you, uh-huh. then 
probably were cut from some kind of a bit of the same cloth. Right, right. And so I would rather nurture some kind of concept of friendship than right. like I'm this thing and you're this thing and I don't I don't find that to be very useful because right. the people that I enjoy, the people that I've met, uh-huh. the famous people that I've met, uh-huh. I think about the way that I interact with them and it's it's not oh my god you're awesome right right it's you that's moving right right and thank you right and you know I you know I've met Bo Diddley Uh and that was the conversation we had uh huh and that's the that's the way like no thank you you did something that changed the course of things Right. That made some of the stuff that I do possible. Uh-huh. And I recognize that. And so it's not any different, you know, musicians, non-musicians. It's like everybody has something artful right. in, inside of them. Right. And, and that's what's valuable. Right. And, you know, sometimes after a show you're tired and you don't want to talk to everybody. Right. But I still try to treat it that way. Right, right. We're all, we're just people. Right, right, right. As far as you're concerned, what do you do to find somebody who plays music and is good at music has to love music? What do you do to find music and what are you listening to now? That's a really kind of complicated <laughs> question <laughs> to find. I don't seek out okay. new. I don't seek out. I, 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 I actually, as an artist, I try to be quiet. Okay. Because there's, especially now, in the last, whatever, 10 years, seems like there's so much more noise, so much more social noise. Yeah. So so much more, like, and, and so I try to, I try to make a space in my head uh-huh. for the same kind of stuff that moved me. Right. Before. Uh-huh. But especially... When, especially when your your job is to be musical, uh-huh. absorbing that kind of stuff ends up being kind of a it's part of your work. Okay. And sometimes you hear things, strains of things, and 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 it's really to to identify what's good. Sometimes it takes me a minute to really like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absorb that thing, right. and I and I don't have enough. I mean, I I got enough of me in my own head, right? To not need anything else, mm-hmm. and so you know, when I first heard Radiohead, or when I first heard Jeff Buckley, or when I first heard uh, Amy Winehouse, or when I or when I under, I mean, you have I have moments where right. you hear something and you're like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That they live in the same space, the same crazy space that I do. Right. And it may not even be good to me at first, but it's true. Right, right. And that's the thing to me that is how I find stuff. I mean, there are guys like Joe Pug, Uh there are A.A. Bondi, there are people who, uh, international music like Tanari Wen or Radio Tarifa Uh or, you know, whatever. That it's my 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 ironclad, you know. This is the real deal. Uh-huh. Comes down to does it make me feel something? Right. And 
for me to be clear that it makes me feel something, I gotta have a little silence. Right. I gotta have a little introspection. I gotta have a little peace. Uh-huh. And then these things come in. My wife, my wife listens to a lot of music, and uh-huh. so I'm always exposed. Right. I mean, she's got stuff on all the time, and she's got amazing taste. Uh-huh. You know, she'll listen to everything from you know really top class reggaeton uh-huh. to uh, uh, Jaco Pastorius uh-huh. to. Uh, old David Bowie, um, and I love all of these things. These flavors come right, in, right? But for me, the stuff that like it took. I mean, Derek Trucks, fantastic yeah. guitars, and they're going to be here. They're going to be here in June, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it took me a minute to yeah. really, really fully understand and appreciate. That he was a real deal. Yeah. He played a lot of tunes of people that I liked. He yeah. played some Taj Mahal. He played some yeah. stuff that I really dug. Uh-huh. And I was like, but is he just is he just mimicking what he's been absorbed all his life? Right. Or is this like and there was a few things that I heard and then, you know, he dug in and it was real. Yeah. And there are other players that I listen to who have all the same influences. You know, right. John Mayer. Uh-huh. To me, you, you, anybody you can he can play he can uh-huh. he can play he can, he can sure play. But it doesn't feel it's not real to me. Right. It's just right. kind of like okay, another cookie cutter yeah. form of that, yeah. and it just it didn't it doesn't fill me right. in any way. It doesn't satisfy me. Right. So I try to reserve judgment because. I had a lot of people telling me, oh, John Mayer, who's the next thing? Right. And I think there are points when John Mayer really feels what he's playing. Um, However, I think that's probably in a live situation and it's few and far between. It's uh, because anybody who can play like that probably had to really, really dig something at some point. I I don't have any argument with his musicianship. Right, right. But like to where we started the conversation this thing you know the blues to me right you can play the blues on one string right you can sing the blues with no instruments uh-huh. and just stomping on the ground right so when that's the standard all your glassy multi harmonic polyphonic uh-huh. jazzmo <laughs> really yeah, there's a lot of people that are out there that can play, but to have that deep down, super gritty soul, right? You can't fake that, right? Right. And uh, that's what makes realizing somebody like mm-hmm. Derek Trucks is, and that there are other people who aren't. And it's not a value judgment. Right. Some people may your body is a wonderland. That's right. great. Yeah. But that's not for me. Right. right. And so right. that is how that is how I choose to invest my time. Right. If I'm gonna right. listen to somebody, I'm gonna listen to somebody yeah. that's got some guts. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I have always well, I used to be a lot more judgmental as far as music goes. It was either it was either good music or bad music. Now it's more like music I like and music I'd rather not listen to. So it, I, I've changed that. So, Dave, somebody wants to find out what's going on with you or Elephant Rescue, where do they go? 
You can find us at uh, Facebook. That's probably the best place right now. Okay. Uh, Elephant Rescue at uh, Facebook.com. We are building a new set of uh, things that uh, you'll be able to find us. We have a digital press kit that you'll be able to look at. And it's got some more detailed stuff. We're getting ready to also relaunch elephantrescuemusic.com. Okay. And so that those are the those are the things we try to build everything sort of as a hub. Okay. So that there's connects to Facebook and whatever Twitter and okay. You know, uh, all the social stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, so whoever's listening and whatever, you know, I really appreciate the um, I really appreciate when people check in with those things, but also feedback. Mm. When people just let, whatever, I was at a show, and uh, it was real. Uh Because that's the thing to me, like, if that's if that's my measure, right. if that's my way of saying, I, I'm a fan, right. I'm a friend, I'm uh-huh. somebody that gets what you're trying to say. Right. Those are the types of communications back. Um, yeah, I, I, can I, have, say, I can say, just to interrupt you real quick, when I started this podcast, as far as feedback's concerned, you were on my top five as far as people I wanted to, wanted to talk to. Because, first of all, I'm totally into local local musicians because the whole Michiana scene has some local musicians that really have very varied and original sound. And also, they just rock. So we have, I, this is a you, this is one of those music scenes that's is burgeoning, and I, and I, and I have a very good feeling about what is to come in this area, and it's uh, it's just a confluence of right. things. It's not one I can't say one place, one thing. Uh-huh. It's 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 there's a bunch of great bands. There's a bunch of great talent. And there are a bunch of people that are committed, even when they're not making money, uh-huh. even when they're not, you know, uh, getting recognized, mm-hmm. even when they're not getting the big gigs in Chicago, whatever. Like music is, I'm I'm at the age where music is a, a way of life. Right. It's got to be folded into who you are. And I have my son play shows with me now because. Uh-huh. It's a way to spend time, and it's a way to make something interesting, and it's a way to introduce him to something that could potentially be great and make him money right. later on in life. Right. But we were just now building the culture in this area to have a really solid music scene that is that other people want us, <laughs> other people on their way through want to stop here right. instead of Cleveland, right. or want to stop here instead of Cincinnati, or want to stop here instead of St. Louis. Uh-huh. And it's something that's very real and could happen, and uh, I have, I'm have i at a place where this is, I'm sort of rooted here uh-huh. for right now. Right. I'm not going anywhere. Uh-huh. And so my interest is in building 
a music scene that is creates uh, fresh, genuine faces and fresh music that is. I mean, it's we're in the Midwest, uh-huh. and uh, there's no way to get around it. Right. You know. I'm not going to sit around and do a bunch of John Cougar Mellencamp covers or, uh, you know, whatever. But there's an aspect of it where, like, we have sort of meat and potatoes kind of, you know. Right. Everybody's got to eat. Yeah. And uh, I think that generating uh, the energy and feeling good about where we are and who we are is, is a good thing. It's positive for us right now, and I right. think that that's going to be the thing that sort of snags people into... I mean, Ignition Garage is charming. Right. It's just... You can't walk in there and just be like, uh, blasé. <laughs> no. And part of that is because of the people. Right. It's right. not just the joint. Right. It's the people. Yeah. We got big love just as much as anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, I love New Orleans and I love Chicago and I love, you know, a lot of the places that I've been to see and play. But we're here. Right. And this is, this is what we got. Right. And we may as well make the most of it. Right. Right. So. Well, Dave, I, I appreciate you sitting with me on the Michiana People podcast. And there will be links on the website to both the Facebook page and the Elephant Rescue website. Once again, guys, if you ever have a chance to see Dave Dale or Elephant Rescue, I highly suggest you take the chance to do that because it will be very good for you. Thanks. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.